Hello, I'm Kevin Smith, Editor-in-Chief of the International Railway Journal, and this is Rail Group On Air. The global railway track infrastructure and maintenance community is returning to Munster in northern Germany later this month for the IAF International Track Show and Exhibition. Platter and Toya is showing no less than 19 machines at the fair, including some new innovations. This special edition of the Rail Group On Air podcast features three interviews with three members of the Plasser and Toya executive team. First, we hear from Fabian Hansman, Deputy Director for Marketing, about his hopes and expectations for IAF, as well as details of some of the company's highlight exhibits. Secondly, we hear from Alexander Lehner, Director for Global Customer Services. Alexander will discuss Plasser and Toya's evolving approach to customer service, including new rental services and second-hand machine supply. We ran off the discussion with Florian Auer, Director of Technologies and Innovation, who reflects on new innovations, including digital products and the future of railway infrastructure maintenance. So today we've got Fabian Hansman with us, who's the Deputy Director of Marketing with Plasser and Toya, and looking ahead to the IAF track show in Munster at the end of this month, we're going to talk about some of the main challenges facing track infrastructure maintenance for railways around the world. So yeah, no, thanks very much for being here with me today. So maybe we can kick off then, though, for you, extensive experience in this industry, what do you feel the main challenges are facing track maintainers in, in the current climate? Well, thank you for having me, Kevin. It's really a big pleasure to be here to talk a little bit about that topic. I think everybody's excited to actually go back to a big exhibition. And we have now one month and one week. To, and then the IAF will kick off. So I think we are all really excited to go back to such an in-person exhibition. Can't wait to do that. I think it's fascinating. And I think we have really challenging times currently, not only because of the pandemic, and the Ukrainian war, but also for our industry, I think a lot of things are changing. It's quite challenging for the infrastructure because I think climate change, that is, of course, one of the biggest challenges that we currently have. Uh, I think without a railroad industry or railroads are the most sustainable transport mode. I think that will be definitely the solution for the future, I think so, right? But I think... It is the solution, but it's also like challenging for railroads because availability and capacity of railroads will be be getting more and more important, right? So really have to ensure that we can run more trains, uh, heavier trains and with higher speed trains over the track, right? So that is one big challenge. Another challenge, and I call it challenge, is also digitalization. Digitalization can be a solution, but also a, a little bit of a challenge. Uh, to catch up with the speed. I think that will be also a challenge for railroad. And the third challenge I want to mention here is definitely the, the lack of experienced people. I think that's a little bit of an underestimated challenge. I wouldn't say underestimated. I think it's not that frequently mentioned as digitalization because I think everybody is aware of it, but nobody wants to really talk about it. I think it's not so cool to talk about the lack of experienced people. People usually prefer to talk about climate change or the fight against climate change or digitalization, not so about the lack of experienced people. But I think it's really critical for the industry. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think it's a, a constant trend. You know, you're seeing a widespread re- retirement of more experienced people. And I think you know, rail, main, rail infrastructure maintainers are having the challenge of you know, refilling those positions. So from you know, your perspective as Plaster and Toya, like, what are you specifically doing to try and you know, assist them with that challenge to make perhaps simplify processes and make this more more efficient? 
Right. So what we really have is actually a challenge is to find the operators who are capable and trained to operate the machines, right? It's really hard to find people that want to work during night or on weekends, right? To operate temper. So we as a supplier really try to help the industry like simplify our machines or putting assistance systems on it, like the temping assistant, which actually provides the, the operator with information. So it's much easier to operate the temping machine. And of course, in the future, we want actually be capable to operate the, the machine autonomous or without operator, or one operator can actually operate different machines not sitting on the machine. Of course, that's a vision, okay? But that's, I think in the future, one operator should be able to operate five or 10 temping machines on different locations, sitting at home and just operate them from there. That's a vision, but currently we've really tried to make it easier for the operators to operate our machines. Sure. And that's no, an exciting and no, really in- interesting vision. Absolutely. Um, how far away would you say we are from that now? Now, what level of automation are you introduced into your machines, you know, to, which you know, is a stepping stone in that process? Well, I think the assistance system that we will also show at the IEF live. So it's, it's a good step into, this, into the right direction, right? So we are using diff- the information of different sensors on the temper. The sensors are actually detecting different obstacles and automatically, so with artificial intelligence, detects different obstacles in in the turnout. And based on that information, the machine will then fully automatically adjust the different working units. And the only thing the operator and the only, it's still the responsibility of the operator, but the only thing the operator has to do, the operator confirms actually to the suggestion of the machine. And so we are pretty far in when it comes to automizing this process, right? And it's everything is happening on the fly, so that we don't need a different measurement run anymore. But we're using different sensors on the machine. And that's really, it's pretty cool, actually, because if you consider such a machine, you just have a couple of meters from the front end of the machine to the actually temping operator. And we just don't have so much time, right, to actually look at the data or the, the computer has to analyze all these different information. It's pretty cool, actually. So I, I'm almost deeply impressed when I see that, what our data science is getting out of that information. So it's really cool, I think. Definitely. So I visited Lintz recently and, and I've written a, a feature for the May edition of IRJ on the 09 8x4 4S Dynamic E3 unit, which is one of the attractions that, IAF and um, and I visit that machine and I, in the um, the tamping unit in particular, like there was, I mean, there's so much almost going on there with different screens and, and things like that. I mean, for me, that seems quite complicated. Um, what are you doing to try and you know, simplify that process for the person? You know, is the training altering? You know, from what a traditional tamping unit operator might have had received to you know what they're now using to you know, to use a machine of this type in the future. Well. Of course, we during the training process, so we are using simulators to train the operators. So they don't have to train on the machine. We can use sure. different simulators, which makes it easier a little bit. And of course, also shortens the process of training. That helps us a lot. And of course, also that specific machine that you have mentioned, right? Also, that machine has different sensors on it, right? It's It combines a lot of different working steps into one machine. So it's one of our flagship machines that will also be at the IAF. And it's really, 
focused on high-speed turnouts, maintaining high-speed turnouts. It really, it, you have one machine, but different working steps in combining this machine. And one really cool stuff here is that we usually, for turnout tamping machines, we have two different cabins on the machine. But because we are now using actually different sensors, we were able to combine the two different cabins into one. And that's a big, big advantage now because that cabin sits now on the mainframe of the machine, meaning that it is continuously moving because the other cabin was usually on the satellite and it's not not a nice uh, working spot there because you will be accelerated and, and, and so you have to speed up and speed down every time with the satellite. But the other thing with that machine, which is pretty awesome, it's, it's, it's a fully electrical machine, right? So you have an electrical tamping unit. You're using the power of the overhead wire to actually power the whole machine. And that means zero emission. That means zero noise or lower noise emission. And that will also reduce gas consumption. I know you, you're aware of the whole trend in the industry going to zero, uh, zero CO2 emissions, right? So I think all the railroads in Europe especially have quite tough goals for the future. And I think for us as a supplier, we just yeah, we want to support these goals because I think that's the way we we have to go, actually. I think one of the standout things for me, you mentioned the noise level there. Now you've got the two operators in the same cab, but they are able to have a conversation with each other. The sound of the machine is not going to drown out their voices, which is obviously a benefit for them. But it's also a benefit for people who might be living close by to the railway when it's being maintained. The impact of the, of the work going on is going to be less and less that's true. And I think, you know, when we talk about climate change, and I, don't get me wrong, CO2 emission is one of the biggest challenges and the, the biggest impact here, but also sure. noise. Noise should not be underestimated, especially if you talk about metropolitan areas. Noise could have a significant impact. And, and again, you know, railroads in Europe are driven by their success. That means that we are running trains more or less 24 hours or 20 hours the whole yeah, day. Yeah, so yeah. the only window where we can actually do something on the track is during night. And if you're living beside such a track, you don't want to have a loud uh, track maintenance machine working on track during night, right? So that is that could have a huge impact. Sure, absolutely. And also, I mean, in Europe, especially in Germany, then there's a lot of upcoming improvement works to the network there. Is there an emphasis on you, you know, trying to no, keep lines open as best they can. You know, perhaps only working on one of the tracks, but leaving one. You know, so it's possible to continue operating trains. You know, is, is that a focus of you know, your work at the moment? Of course, capacity availability of track is always that's important. Unf- unfortunately, tracks are not built to maintain them. Tracks are built usually to run trains over, right? And we are aware of that. Uh, we sure. love our yellow machines, uh, <laughs> but we are aware that our customer really wants actually to run trains right over the tracks and i think that that's, so capacity management and the high availability is really important and that is where we also like offer high performance machines and high quality because yeah. on the one hand high performance means that you can do more in less time and high quality means that you have to do it less meaning you don't have to temp it for instance every two years if you can ensure high quality but you can temp it only every three years so I think that's key to success, both of them. Okay, Fabian, um, I don't know if you have anything more to add to what we've, what we've talked about. 
No, I I just want to invite everybody to come to IAF. I think it will be amazing actually to see you in person, everybody. And we would love to see to show you actually also our portfolio there. I think we have a bunch of things out there, fascinating new technology, fascinating new machines, and also new services. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to seeing, I think, up to 19 machines that Passion Tour is showing this year in Munster. So, yeah, no, really excited about the event and yeah, look forward to seeing everyone there. Thanks very much for your time. Thank you. We have Alexander Lehner here with us today. He's the Director for Global Customer Services at Placer & Toya. And he's here to talk to us about Placer & Toya's customer service provision in the current market. I think I'd like to start off, Alexander, just to begin with um, discussion really on you know, Placer & Toya's current strategy with regards to customer service and perhaps how this has changed in the last two or three years from your perspective. Sure. Hi, Kevin. Thank you very much. Yeah, I think... Uh... Whoever knows Blas Andorra uh, knows in particular the yellow machine. So Blas Andorra was always uh, recognized as a very strong uh, machine supplier. And the last couple of years, we recognized that we neglected the aftermarket a little bit. Well, that was not just the last couple of years, but the last couple of years, we decided to change that. And there are several reasons for that. I mean, first of all, our customers, of course, demanding that and the market changed. I think nowadays uh, customer services and having a strong aftermarket is not necessarily a competitive advantage anymore. It's really a permission to stay in the game, let's say it that way. And uh, therefore, we also decided to develop ourselves from, a, let's say, from a pure machine supplier to a full maintenance or a full service provider. That, of course, uh, is, is quite a long journey, which we started yeah, two, three years ago now. Sure. Could you perhaps then describe, you know, how that journey's played out? It's this two, three-year process, and you know, how has that gone so far? Good question. Well, I think we started the big change, or the big transformation started in 2019. Was also the time when I joined, and we have now a six-year plan because that's basically how we see uh, the the time period uh, for the entire transformation. And uh, of course, there are big work packages, more work packages. But now we are still in the in the process of bringing the basics right, meaning really our spare part supply, which is, I think, one of the, the key topics for our customers, but also, of course, providing the, the necessary amount of skilled service technicians around the world, uh, up to really super fancy stuff like uh, making our machines digital and bringing them online and up to digital green, et cetera. But that's at the uh, end of the scale. Sure. And how much is you know, what your customers are telling you about their needs you know, feeding into this strategy? Well, uh, and, and that was basically uh, the, the trigger for, for our development. Our customers really demanded the availability of, of parts, mainly parts, because mm. we, we have very unique machines. We have very uh, complex machines. And so it is with the, with the parts that are necessary to operate those machines. So Plus and Dora was always well known about this uh, for these fancy machines, but our spare part supply was, I would not say necessarily bad, but not state of the art. The same was true for the service technicians. Our customers always demanding service technicians and always demanding them at the same time, usually on the weekends, etc. And of course, um, it's difficult to have a balance of, of keeping enough people uh, available for the customers, but also, of course, managing the costs properly. 
So basically, it was the customer who was demanding that, and that was the reason why we started the journey. And now we are really trying to address, yeah, I would say, the need for availability for parts, service technicians, information, and ultimately the availability of our machines. And that's what we tried to serve, and, and that's the reason why we started this journey. And I mean, obviously, you know, the world has been through a difficult time in the last couple of years. And, and we see currently with you know, different uh, macroeconomic trends, you know, there's you know, things like the energy crisis and supply chain issues. You know, how are you managing you know, that element of your work here and, and to try and keep this you know, flow of parts and goods you know, as, as smooth as you possibly can? Yeah, it's making, <laughs> it making our exercise a little bit more challenging. It equally shows how necessary it is. Let's stick with one example, uh, part supply. Yeah? Uh, Plus Antora, as a group, uh, we didn't have a lot of, of warehouses or distribution centers around the world, which made a, a real-time supply of parts almost necessary. Now, and you mentioned some macroeconomic topics like supply chain issues, inflation, etc., this is getting uh, a complete, not just for Plast and Burr, but for the entire world, uh, a bigger and bigger challenge. Uh, and showed uh, at the same time that, uh, for example, having big warehouses or keeping some, some parts available for our customers makes it even more important. And this entire process, like post-pandemic, including supply chain issues, uh, et cetera, is now just, how should I say it, facilitating or expediting our entire process. We're getting more and more traction now, and also the, the market, but also our internal stakeholders see how important all these initiatives like warehouses, let's say availability is, and this entire macroeconomic situation is just facilitating and expediting that. Sure, sure. Do you foresee this impact in you know, possible demand for you know, track maintenance in the future? In Europe, for example, you know, we currently see there's potentially massive demand from Germany you know they're looking to sort of catch up on a huge infrastructure backlog which you know for your business is potentially you know they're really lucrative are you doing everything you can to make sure that that flow is there and continues and you're able to meet that demand as best you can absolutely and uh yeah you're right we cannot complain on our order intake so business is, is still growing and I think that will go on in in particular when it comes to to railway transportation I mean we also know Another topic besides supply chain and inflation is this entire uh, carbon dioxide reduction that the entire world is aiming for. And uh, we also know that railway transportation is by far the greenest compared with other options. And therefore, I think, uh, yes, the demand will, will be uh, considerable in the next couple of years. That is true for new machines, but definitely also for the aftermarket, because uh, we also see that at least in high regulated countries like Europe, uh, also the maintenance of the machines and the regulations are, are getting so tough that machines are operated uh, or utilized uh, very high. And that, of course, maintenance and, and, and repair of machines follow very high regulated processes and regulations. And therefore, uh, also the aftermarket demand is there for parts and service technicians in the region. Absolutely. You talked a lot there, you know, the green and sustainable element of railways. Now, how can you, you know, support that effort in in the machines that you provide and the, and the work processes that they carry out. How is you know, your work happening with well, those efforts? Yeah. There are a couple of, of initiatives or a, a couple of things that, that uh, we are doing uh, where we try to contribute. Uh, I think that the, the biggest point definitely is uh, the, the extension of, of lifetime. And what we are doing here is 
Uh, usually our machines are designed for a lifetime of 15, 20 years, even 25 years. But with, with our lifetime extension program, which we introduced last year, we are now able to operate machines after a big refurbishment or retrofit for 25, even 30 years. So that, uh, of course, decreases the life cycle cost significantly. And we also see now the demand from our customers coming because you need a very strong uh, OEM expertise in order to extend the lifetime. You have to change critical parts, etc. So definitely this lifetime extension is one of the, the biggest uh, initiatives how we can contribute to that point. Another one is, is more from the technical perspective. Uh, we also introduced a lot of retrofit packages for our machines. Uh, meaning, for example, that we are changing the, the, the fuel engines with electrical engines, for example. So, sounds easy. It's quite a complex topic. Yeah, uh, sure. But here we also came up with a couple of, of uh, standard offerings in the last couple of months. So I think there are a lo lot of small, let's say, uh, initiatives, smaller and bigger initiatives uh, where we try to contribute uh, in particular to that topic. And what is the market response to those kind of changes now? Are they encouraged that you're taking those steps? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it depends, of course, a little bit in which country you're looking. As you know, we're sure. operating in, in more than 100, uh, uh, 10 or almost 110 countries around the world. Looking in particular to Europe, of course, we see the initiatives becoming greener, a very strong West, for example, in Africa, where in some, some countries in Asia, it's not that strong push on the topic. But looking, for example, in countries like Scandinavia, Sweden, Denmark, etc., those countries are very clear also by their regulation to say within the next five to ten years, we don't want to see any fuel ancient uh, machine on the on their tracks anymore. So here really the market is putting the pressure also on, on us, on the OM, but also of course on the local railway and infrastructure providers that we uh, retrofit our machines and, and make them greener. So, yes, the market is, is appreciating what we are doing because instead of, of replacing the entire machines, we can also, with these retrofit packages and upgrades, uh, making the machines uh, uh, fit for their current uh, regulations and requirements. Okay. Well, yeah, thanks very much, Alexander. I really appreciate that insight. And, yeah, it certainly is an interesting but no, exciting time for the trap maintenance sector. And wishing you all the best. Thank you very much, Ken. Hello and, and welcome to the third and final interview in this podcast. And we're here with uh, Florian Auer, the Director of Technology and Innovation at Fuster and Toyer. And um, yeah, we're here to talk about technology and innovation. Thanks for joining us today. And um, the first question really I have is just about innovation in Fuster and Toyer in general, really. Uh, can you please explain the company's general approach to innovation and uh, what Fuster and Toyer's philosophy is for when it comes to identifying new technologies which will improve your machines and your offer to the market. Hello, Kevin. Thanks um, for this question. Yeah, maybe starting with the first message is a very short one, but an important one. We invest a lot in innovation. So it's 11% of our revenue directly goes into new developments and new technologies. And yeah, we have a three pillar strategy how to invest it. The three pillars are invest in basic research. Let's invest in, in, in increasing uh, capabilities of our engineering colleagues. And there's increasing number of people now working for the technology center in Purkersdorf. So what we are doing is 
when it comes to basic research, we cooperate with the best partners. So it's worldwide. There is, uh, I don't want to, 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 to summarize all those one, but of course, uh, the Technical University of uh, Munich is very well known in this approach and also others. So first one is really understand the track. How does it behave? And here we cooperate with the best scientific partners. When it comes to internal engineering, we have now the possibilities uh, in using new tools, new tools right. such as simulation methods, and especially what I always highlight when I'm doing presentations, this is the new tool set called discrete element methods. You really can analyze and simulate every single detail uh, and not just static-wise, but dynamic-wise of every single stone that yeah, is covered right. and treated by our working units. So it's just yeah, amazing what, what these new tools can do. And the third one is uh, our strong belief in that our units not only have to work uh, perfect in theory, but also out in the field. So we invest a lot in the technology in center in Purkersdorf. And here we are bringing all the prototypes directly onto the track. And this gives it, uh, this gives a, a drive and a very good momentum now, because with this three pillars strategy, we are now able to deliver much quicker, better, and more smart machine units than beforehand. Sure. No, that sounds that your work has evolved you know, a lot in, the, in, in recent years. And can you provide perhaps some examples, you know, so we can get a feeling of, you know, putting this innovation and technology into practice of you know, where you've really made some leap forwards in you know, recent times with you know, what you're providing and, and what, what your customers are ultimately using you know, to maintain their track? Yeah, first of all, I have to say that, of course, we, have, we, are, we are now very glad that we, everything, when it comes to developments, is based on our strong network with our partners and customers worldwide. We have delivered more than 17,000 machines to 109 countries worldwide. So we are always close to the customers uh, from the very beginning. And therefore, we, uh, yeah, we directly understand their needs and their problems. One of those examples, for instance, is the, the, um, the reference track geometry measurement system. Some years beforehand, uh, you needed two track possessions to make track maintenance. So with the tamping machines, you correct the track geometry to very precise um, position. And some years beforehand, the procedure was that you needed two possessions. The first one only to do the surveying, to do the pre-works, to do the measurement, to collect the data so that you can do then the maintenance out of it. And the second one to do the maintenance. So two possessions for one maintenance work. Of course, this was uh, yeah, this reduced the capacity on the, on the tracks, and also in a high, quite high number of people were really, really out in the track in in the danger zone of the track. So what we did, we uh, invented and developed a, a modular system that is called the reference track geometry measurement system. So first of all, it is modular, no need to do the pre-works and the measurements with a separated uh, recording vehicle or a machine, you can integrate it into maintenance machine. So the maintenance machine itself only needs one track possession. It does the pre-surveying on its own, 
with high speed up to 100 kilometers an hour. So basically, you could also do the pre-works and surveying uh, over three, four, five hundred kilometers in day. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. just amazing. And just in normal traffic, right? You can yeah, you know, run yes. the train in a normal path. So. It's, so the measurement speed is 20 times higher than the traditional method. And at the end, of course, this also leads to yeah, increasing process safety because you directly measure the data in the machine and can use it in the, in the machine. So less number of possessions, less workers inside the track, and uh, increasing uh, process safety. That would be one of those yeah, examples of new technologies, new products. Uh, the other one would be the, the, the temping assistant. Absolutely. I think we've, we've seen examples of this on some of the shows, um, the machines you're going to show at IAF and you know, this in action and you know, really helping to improve the working environment be the, for the operators and you know, reduce the level of skill perhaps you know, in what they're doing. Yeah, it's, it, of, of course, this is one of our uh, technology uh, flagships <laughs> yeah, sure. uh, because it, this is really real-time machine learning on our special machines uh, and already now used in, in several countries. So it's not only a prototype uh, and a vision as we presented some years beforehand. It, it's already in place, in operation. And as you said, it's really increases uh, the quality, the working quality. It increases also the process safety. And <laughs> of course, very important for our customers, they need. Uh, a smaller number of skilled operators to run the machines. Yeah, it copes also a lot of, it, it's not just about delivering a new technology, implementing new functionality. It's also coping with uh, with the problems that already exist. Yeah, you've talked about you know, lots of new technologies and um, you know, new processes, which obviously you know, Plasser and Toyer itself needs to be able to you know, master these skills and this knowledge in order to be able to implement it and make it you know, the end use. You know, what's your approach to making sure that you've got the right people in place to you know, develop and evolve this technology so it's useful in practice? You know, what, what's your approach for you know, nurturing and your own talent you know, internally? Let's, let's come back to what I've already said. We are very close in touch with the with a quite high number of universities. And this is really the source of talents for us. And what we see is that we can motivate the um, talents to work for Plaza and Tora because the machines are so unique with a lot of functionalities. They have to work in, in, the, in the northern area as well as in the Sahara uh, cool. day and night. And at the end, what we are doing is uh, we're producing a railway track that is needed to, to connect people together. Uh, so we really, yeah, what we see is that the, we, we are able to motivate young engineers and also very talented one to come to Plus Centora because this is, a, I would say, yeah, a special or you could also say a unique place in, in track maintenance. and and due to the fact that we have to cope with so many different fields of uh, activities and so that it's really yeah, amazing. And that's why we can really also motivate the good engineers to come to us. But what is also important and uh, for us as a, as a company is 
that those talented uh, young engineers, first, they have to learn the machines in use. Mm -hmm. So we send them first for the first months uh, out to the machines so that they learn uh, not only the functionality of the machines itself, but also what does it mean to work inside a track possession and what happens if you are close to the end and how high the pressure it is that you have to do it on time. So they get, they get to touch and feel the machine, you know, they, they, yeah. they, they understand it and, you know, get a real appreciation the very of what, beginning, what it can do. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a bit of good, good engineers and the expertise uh, and the domain know-how needed to build these machines. So for you then, and there was probably the last question here, but what kind of technologies will drive track maintenance forward in the future? You know, thinking quite big sky, but you know, how, how do you see this, this field evolving and you know, what, 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 what things are driving the future of track maintenance for, in general and for Placer and Toya? Yeah, maybe a start with, uh, to make a step back. I think, as it is always, developments are driven by the needs of the customers. And this is lack of skilled workers. This is the need of increasing worker safety and process safety. And the most important thing, it's about to increase capacity on existing lines. So these are the dominant factors uh, that at the end also are the drivers for our developments. So <laughs> we could say, uh, very simple speaking, let's analyze all the new technologies that are available today and integrated into machines. And there are a lot of them now. I call it internal, this is the era or the decade uh, of new technologies. And it's yeah. really amazing. Look, we started some years before to connect the machines to each other. So you can send information and data from one machine to the other. After the connected machines, we worked on the smart machines, as I said, using real-time machine learning algorithms to improve the track uh, maintenance process. We now have a very strong eye on the safe machines. We're using this new, all these new reliable and redundant sensors collected together. And out of this sensor fusion, we really have now a very strong focus on safe machines. And when I look to the future, I think it's uh, also, it's not a dream anymore. What we are doing, it's we are now working on implementing intelligent sensors into the working units. So the working units are not only working, they are also measuring the condition of the tracks. And this is now the end of the closed loop. So we now have really all the technologies to be uh, used in, 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 in a whole holistic track maintenance process, starting from the monitoring of the track with modular systems on the machine and also doing the, yeah, then doing the work autonomous. And at the end of the work, there's a transparent handbag of the track uh, quality including a clear condition report of the track. So the machine in itself becomes, I don't know, it's correct, an inspector of the track also, yeah? You're, you're combining lots of functions that were separate previously into a, you know, all-in-one comprehensive offer, right? And 
which is you know it's, it's, that's been a foundation of Basler and Toya's offer for for many many years, and it's seemingly continuing to evolve. All in one and end to end. This this is what we are working on, and you know, and and this is uh, really a strong um, statement from the beginning of our company. It's we really strongly believe in railways. We the we well, let's say the yellow machines of us. We are part of uh, this uh, track maintenance, and of course. We are prominent during the night, not so much during the day, but during the night at the possessions. The machines maintain the track to a condition that is needed to connect the people with highest process safety. And therefore, we are not only believing in railways, we are very aware of our prominent position, how big the need is for, yeah smart track maintenance, and with all the activities, as I said, 11% of the revenue goes directly straight into developments in our company, yeah. we really are able now to create the future of railways, of on the track maintenance. That's what we are doing every single day. I think that's a great way to end. Yeah, thanks very much for your time today, Florian, and uh, yeah, look forward to seeing you IAF in Munster in a <laughs> few weeks' time. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. For more on IRJ's coverage of IAF, see the June edition of IRJ Magazine, which includes an extensive preview, as well as an in-depth article on Placer and Toyo's plans for the event. And as always, for all the latest global railway industry news, visit railjournal.com. I'm Kevin Smith, and this has been Rail Group On Air.